Hello, this is Elodie Reed, digital producer for Vermont Public Radio. This podcast has been edited for brevity and clarity. Yay! This is Vermont Edition. I'm Bob Kinzel. Vermont continues to lead the country in the percentage of people who've been vaccinated from COVID-19. At the same time, the state is still encouraging folks to be vaccinated because there are concerns that a variant of this virus will emerge in late summer and early fall, causing a surge in cases once again. And there are also concerns that some people who have been affected by the COVID virus are experiencing a very long recovery road back to health. Well, today is our weekly COVID program with Deputy Health Commissioner Tracy Dolan. Tracy, welcome back to Vermont Edition. It's great to have you here again. Thanks. It's always great to be here. Tracy, uh, this time last week, the state hit its goal of having 80% of Vermonters having at least one shot. Uh, Could you update that number for us today? Where are we at? Sure. We're at 81.3% of all eligible Vermonters are vaccinated, which is tremendous. And uh, is the focus to try to get that that number as high as possible in the coming weeks because of the concerns about the variant in the fall? Yeah, you know, I think we're going to continue to try to encourage people to get vaccinated. Uh, We recognize that probably a lot of people who have already wanted to be vaccinated are. um, But there are probably some people still who might be uh, out there who have a few questions or still might not have quite gotten around to it. And so we're continuing to get information out, really listen to the questions and answer what we can. And again, make it as convenient as we can. We recognize not everyone's on the same schedule and some people need a little more time. And so we're here for them. When they're ready, we're here and ready to vaccinate. Tracy, there's one thing I'm not sure I completely understand. At what point does Vermont reach herd immunity? That is a great question. There is no specific number that is herd immunity. It tends to be a range. Um, And we would say that anywhere between 70 and 80 percent is probably getting us to herd immunity. So herd immunity isn't a fixed finite point. At this point, for example, with the number of people we have vaccinated, we don't think it's likely that we would have a lot of large outbreaks. Um, However, we do know there's a new variant that is more easily transmissible and may cause more illness. And so anything additional we can do just shores it up. So I would say we are at a very good place in terms of herd immunity, but of course we could get to a better place. And because we're still learning about this virus and we're seeing what it's doing around the world and even in other states, we will continue to to try to uh, vaccinate even more people where possible. Tracy, there's been a lot of discussion about this Delta variant. Uh, How concerned are you that some states, there are a whole bunch of them in the South, have very low vaccination rates? And, for instance, the rate in Mississippi is about half of that in Vermont. Are you concerned, uh, as some health officials are, that they've described these states as being sitting ducks for a return of the COVID virus in the fall? Do you share that concern? I do. Um, I mean, I think it's just heartbreaking that we're seeing in this country where we have so much vaccine available and so many resources uh, compared to so many places in the world. It's hard to see that we have states that are uh, that vulnerable. 
um, to to this virus and to the new variant. Uh, you know, again, uh, very difficult to see, and I'm really hopeful. You know, I meet on a pretty regular basis with other deputy commissioners of public health across the country, and I know in talking to some of the uh, health officials in those states, uh, you know, they do not have the same level of confidence that we have, and, and that's very hard. Uh, so, so I do feel quite badly for them. I, I hope that I am hopeful, you know, that their rates will continue to go up, maybe not at a, a speedy rate. Um, and then, of course, you know, there's the part of me that says uh, here in Vermont, even though we're very well vaccinated, having other states in this country and places nearby that are unvaccinated also puts us at risk. So it's I, I feel bad for folks living there. And of course, I feel bad for, you know, what the effect could be even on states that are fairly well vaccinated. I think I saw some information that the Center for Disease Control says that this new Delta variant accounts for about 10 percent of all new cases in this country. And is is there extra concern because this seems to be a pretty nasty virus? There is. And it is expected that possibly I mean, this is how quickly this virus moves, possibly within a few weeks. It may be the dominant strain in some of our states and moving toward possibly the dominant strain in the country. Um, it's already wildly the dominant strain, for example, uh, in the United Kingdom and some other areas. And so, uh, you know, that, that, is, that is difficult. Again, we are in a very good place because we have so many people vaccinated. Again, talking about that herd immunity or another way of saying it is community immunity. The fact that we were able to get out in front and so many Vermonters were able to participate in protecting themselves and others really decreases our risk. So I know people are hearing a lot about the Delta variant. I wouldn't lose sleep over it. However, if you know folks who aren't vaccinated, certainly talking to them and being open and non-judgmental is one way to get us to an even higher rate. Let's talk to Laurel, who's calling from Heartland. Hi, Laurel. Welcome to the program. Hi, thanks for taking my call. I, I, yeah, I live in Windsor County, and um, a week ago, uh, it accounted for um, 23 percent of the COVID cases identified in the previous two weeks in the whole state of Vermont, or 27 out of 117 cases. And I'm just wondering um, whether um, you're looking into this at all. Um, do we have a higher than usual um, uh, number of you know, positivity number or um, is sequencing being done to make sure that um, uh, places that are having high numbers um, it's an, due to the Delta variant? Laurel, yes, that's a great question. Answer. Yes, sorry about that, Bob. I can, I can jump in if you like um, on these questions. Yeah, that's a great question. Sure. So, so what you're seeing now, um, if we were in a place uh, that we were, let's say, several months ago where we were having two or 300 cases in a day or 100 or 200, and if we had 30% of those cases in Windsor County, that would be a real concern and we'd be looking into it in a different way. Right now, our numbers are so low, and because cases tend to be associated, you might have three or four cases and half, which would only be two cases, might be in one county. That wouldn't tell us that there's anything uniquely risky or vulnerable about that county. That just might tell us that, oh, it was two brothers who live in the same house or two people who work at the same place. And so because our numbers are so low, we're not particularly concerned if on a particular day all the numbers are in one county. I'm looking right now at the vaccination rates, and Windsor County has a pretty good vaccination rate of 74%. 
So obviously, you know, we can always do better and, and continue to encourage people to get vaccinated. Um, but we are not particularly concerned about um, about Windsor County as an example. Uh, the Delta variant is here. Uh, we have located it um, in at least one case, and it was related to international travel. We do expect that it will become more prevalent. However, we don't expect it to be a significant threat because of the level of vaccination we have. Tracy, let me follow up on Laurel's question, something that struck me this week, uh, and I'm sure you have a good explanation for it, that the rate by county is quite different. Now, we've talked before on this program about how some of the counties in the Northeast Kingdom have a lower rate. The access to the vaccine uh, might not be as easily available as in some other places But we also see, looking at this, in the counties that are up there, they're above 80 percent. There's some at 83. Uh, Lamoille County is number one in the state at 83.8 percent. And the lowest is Essex County at 57.4 percent. But oddly enough, and this is one I'm wondering if there's an explanation for this, Vermont's four southernmost counties. So I'm thinking now of Rutland County, Bennington County, Windsor County, and Wyndham County are sort of in this middle group in the low to mid-70s. Is there some reason why that's true? You mean in terms of the vaccination rate, why are they all different? Is that what you're asking? Well, I'm I'm wondering, uh, we, we, I understand that places like Chittenden County are high and Essex County in a rural part of Vermont might be low. But we have mm-hmm. the four states that are the, the four southernmost states, uh, counties rather, in the state of Vermont are all in the sort of low 70s uh, as opposed to some other counties that are much, much higher. Uh, what accounts for that? Oh, I see. So, yeah, is there is there a reason that geographically four of our exactly our yeah four of our counties that are more in the seventies might be might be at that level? I, I don't know that I have a really great answer for that. Um, it's possible that a particular county might have a little more travel and so might have a little more exposure. Um, but but no, we're talking about vaccination rates. I, I don't think I have a great answer. Um, you know. Uh, vaccination uh, behavior um, is often uh, defined by past vaccination behavior. So uh, it's possible that in the areas where we've had high vaccination generally for flu and others, it just might be following that same kind of trend. Um, It could be access. Uh, It might be that in some of the more uh, densely populated areas, it's just on every corner. Uh, Hard to say. Overall, we're doing well, and we do have a couple of outliers. Obviously, Essex is is of concern uh, with their lower rate, but then after Essex, it jumps right up. So we have Essex at about 57 or 58 percent. But then the next nearest one is Orleans at 68 percent. So we do have a, a pretty solid jump there. And then we have lots of folks between kind of the 68 and 76 percent range as well. The other fascinating thing, and I, you can tell I go to the health department <laughs> dashboard because it's fascinating to see all this information, that within a particular county, with towns that are right next door to each other, you can have wildly different rates. Let me give you two examples. Washington County. In Montpelier, the vaccination rate is over 90%. In Northfield, it's between 50 and 60. In Berlin, it's between 41 and 50. 
So that's Washington County. Then we jump down to Wyndham County in Brattleboro. It's quite high. It's between 81 and 90. Over in Dummerston, it's between 41 and 50. And in Halifax, it's between 31 and 40. Uh, again, do you see any factors that would be at play that would have towns that are neighbors of each other with such wildly different rates? So two factors there. One might be that the more rural areas may have lower vaccination rates, and and that may be because of um, different behavioral patterns, different belief patterns, or uh, differing access. You know, maybe it's not as convenient. Maybe you have to drive a little farther. But the other piece here is that, and we recognize, you know, there are some challenges in the data and the way we collect it. You may get vaccinated in a particular area and live in a town, but your address might officially have another town name. And so it's possible Mm. that in some of the towns that are showing low vaccination rates, people live there, but an official address is actually in another town. Um, and this has been a fascinating thing for us to discover. I mean, we had one town that was at 20%, and we thought there's no way that only 20% of adults in that place had been vaccinated. And then we found out that most people who live there actually officially, um, their address shows up as a different town. Um, and so we've put that as a sort of caveat on all of our town maps uh, with the vaccination rates. And our teams are uh, really diving in at the local level to the town data to understand a little more and to see if there's any more outreach or opportunity that we might want to give on a very specific town, because it's possible that a county rate is, uh, is lower um, and it might really be uniquely in a couple of towns. And then that would be the better way to do outreach and target and talk with people rather than necessarily blanket the whole county. Let's go back to our callers and talk to Lynn, who's calling from Burlington. Hi, Lynn. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Hi. Um, uh, my question is that if the people who are fully vaccinated are not 100% protected, as, as, as we know, and that small percentage is, um, is a risk factor, but should we be living our lives worrying about that small risk factor, or what do you think? No, you shouldn't. I think, uh, you know, obviously you want to be cautious in the world. So (laughs) um, in general, but no, I I really, if you've been fully vaccinated, um, you are really doing and you have done the best thing for yourself and for your family and for your neighbors. And you should really go out and enjoy yourself and do all the things you would normally do. Um, You know, for some people, if you're in a crowded indoor environment, some people might decide they still want to use a mask because they feel uncomfortable. But we are confident in this vaccine, even that low risk, if you were to get COVID-19, and again, you know, relatively low risk, but some people do who are vaccinated, they tend not to become very ill. So it is a much more mild disease, even if you do get it because of the protection of the vaccine. But no, certainly go out, um, you know, bring a mask with you because you might be in a setting where you might need to wear one in a healthcare setting, um, on transportation, you know, bus, uh, airplane, train. Uh, Etc. But for the most part, really go live your life and relax. Um, you know, you've done everything that you uh, you can to protect yourself, and and we appreciate it so much. Lynn, thanks very much for your phone call. I know a lot of people have the very same thought. Tracy, we got an email from Hillary that is kind of a follow-up to what Lynn just asked about being a fully vaccinated person and yet having a small risk of being a carrier. Uh, Hillary wrote, 
I'm a grandma of three, aged two through eight, and I'm fully vaccinated, although I wear a mask when I'm going to a store. I sometimes forget, though, that I can still be a carrier and need to mask around young people who are totally unprotected because I could still be a carrier of COVID-19. What would your advice be to Hillary? I would say that it's while it's possible, it's unlikely that she's carrying the COVID-19 virus if she's been fully vaccinated. So she's unlikely to have an infection and therefore unlikely to pass it on. It's not absolutely impossible. Of course, she could have it and pass it on, but it's unlikely. And so it's really up to her if she chooses to want to mask around um, her grandkids. But we certainly uh, don't um, advise that you need to. That would really be up to your comfort level. But it's certainly not a requirement or a strong recommendation that you mask around family if you're fully vaccinated. Because, Tracy, that's one of the biggest questions we get on a week-to-week basis involving children of either parents or grandparents saying, I'm fully vaccinated, the kid's under 12, there's no vaccine available, should we be concerned? Yeah, no, and I absolutely understand that. And obviously, you know, they're right. The kids 11 and under right now in, in Vermont are unvaccinated. And, and, I, and I understand the concerns about that, especially when you hear about the Delta variant. And it is why we're recommending that for children 11 and under, again, not required, but we do recommend that if they are in a crowded indoor space, that they be masked um, because, you know, they could uh, obviously um, become infected from somebody uh, who may be um, who, who may be sick with COVID-19. The difference in the family is that if the adults around them are vaccinated, then that's a really good protection. And so when the kids are with their adults in their family, and I'm going to use the word trusted in this case, and what I mean by that is you know they've been vaccinated, then those kids are at very low risk because you're protected. You're very unlikely to have it. Therefore, you're unlikely to pass it on to the kids. But yes, if kids are out and about in an indoor crowded environment with other younger kids in particular who haven't been vaccinated, um, we would recommend that they go ahead and wear a mask. Let's go back to our callers and talk to Ed, who's calling from Waterbury Center. Hey, Ed, welcome to the program. Oh, good afternoon. Uh, I just wanted to make a comment. Uh, I see so many people going around without masks, though. Now, I'm, I'm 67 years old, and I just survived uh, oral cancer. So I'm at, you know, I'm at a high risk for infection from anything. And I'm going to wear my mask forever, because I'll tell you what, I have not been sick for a year and a half with anything. And I think people should just realize, hey, you want to avoid the flu, you want to avoid colds, keep wearing your mask, keep sanitizing your hands. That's all. Hey, Ed, we really appreciate your call because, uh, Tracy, the number of cases of flu have been down significantly in the past 15 months, right? Yeah, and I just want to first say to Ed, um, I'm so glad you haven't been sick with anything in a year and a half. What an amazing place to be after going through cancer. So, so happy for you and your uh, your health status right now. And you're right. I mean, it's amazing how few uh, infections any of us got um, from those kinds of things that we would normally have gotten with the mask wearing. So in one way, it really shows the power of masking. You know, initially we were unsure in this country about whether or not masking would be effective and whether it should be the way to go. 
And I think we learned really clearly um, it's effective not just against prevention of COVID-19, but others. And absolutely, you wear it if you need to. Um, I carry a mask with me, and if I'm in a crowded environment, especially if I see other people with masks on, I still wear mine, not because I'm required to or I'm necessarily worried about becoming infected, but I do think it puts some other people, maybe like Ed, at ease, you know. And so uh, I think you should really do what feels comfortable. And, and I agree, it's been pretty powerful in uh, keeping a lot of people healthy in other ways as well. Tracy, do you think that following Ed's lead there that some people are going to say, you know, uh, I didn't I haven't gotten the flu in the last 15 months. I haven't gotten a bad cold that perhaps uh, one of the things that's going to stay with us going into the future is that if someone feels like they're starting to come down with a cold or flu or something that they're going to put a mask on and help protect other people. You know, I've lived in I've lived in a, a couple of countries in Asia and uh, and I know a lot of people have heard about this mask wearing. It's pretty common and it's not taboo at all. And it really happens in those situations where people are starting to get a cold or some sort of, you know, some sort of illness and they wear a mask. Um, I'm curious as to whether or not that will become something here. I mean, I've certainly seen a lot of people drop masks, you know, since the mandate was lifted. But I do think there are people like Ed who have, uh, you know, really seen that difference. And, and so um, either way, uh, it's another tool in the toolbox for public health. And it's probably important that everybody is going to come to a different decision about this and they're going to find their own comfort level. And that's that's fine. Absolutely. And if you see someone with a mask, it doesn't mean that they didn't have a vaccination. It might mean that, that you know, they're, they're just being more concerned or it might mean that they couldn't get vaccinated or that they're just more comfortable with the mask on. And, and no matter what the reason, uh, you know, really thinking of it as just uh, in the same way you would think of, you know, you see someone riding a bike with a helmet and they're just doing that because that's that's the right thing to do for them. Um, I actually should say that everyone should wear a helmet when they're riding a bike. So I didn't mean to suggest that that's entirely <laughs> optional. That wasn't a good example. But uh, again, I think it's really up to your own comfort level. And we certainly respect whatever people's decisions are around that. Uh, Tracy, we got an email. Uh, when will it be safe to sing indoors and outdoors again, especially when the choir is comprised of vaccinated and unvaccinated members? Uh, so there are no mask restrictions um, uh, indoors or outdoors around vaccinated people, and there are no mandates. So I think it would really be up to uh, the judgment of the program or the choir that you're in. Uh, I think that if you're continuing to mix um, in a choir environment with unvaccinated people indoors, I know I personally wouldn't be very comfortable, particularly as we hear, you know, about the Delta variant and, and we see um, some continued lower vaccination rates in this country. So I would be cautious there. I don't know that we have any particular guidance up around choirs right now. We're just at universal guidance right now, which would encourage people, um, you know, to be thoughtful. Uh, and, and so if you're around unvaccinated folks in an indoor environment, um, particularly where you're doing something higher risk like singing, it might make sense to continue to wear masks. Let's go back to our callers and talk to Johanna, who is calling from Montpelier. Johanna, welcome to the program. Hi, thank you so much for having me. And thank you for all the hard work that the Department of Health here in Vermont has been doing over the past year and a few months. Um, I just had a quick question, which is, um, sorry, excuse me, uh, how, you know, given the fact that we're talking through fully vaccinated versus partially vaccinated folks, 
Um, can you all share the statistics around who has been fully vaccinated, including the full two weeks following uh, your second shot for a two-part vaccination versus a partial vaccination rate in Vermont? And then I'm especially curious about that, given the fact that, uh, you know, we're seeing that the Delta variant is potentially only 30 to 33 percent effective or some studies from the UK are coming out with that if you only have one of a two-shot vaccine protocol. And so what is the state of Vermont doing to ensure that we uh, are getting both of our shots to make sure that all Vermonters are fully vaccinated and we can read an HU 1 percent fully vaccinated rate later this summer? Thanks. That's a great question, Johanna. Um, I don't have the number right in front of me now. I'll, I'll have to get that and probably come back to you on how many have uh, been fully vaccinated. That's normally up on our dashboard. So if you go to our, um, our health department website and click on our dashboard, you should be able to see how many have been fully and how many have been partially. I don't, I don't have that full right now. Um, oh, yes, I do. Never mind. I have, uh, yeah, it's 407,000 have been completed. Um, and so I don't have the percentage in front of me. That's obviously lower than our 81%. It's about 450,000 who have received at least one, 407,000 who have completed. Um, and you're right. Obviously, it's the full vaccination that is most helpful. And uh, we had been saying, and you had been probably hearing some of the statistics about how protective even having one dose was, you know, up to 80% effectiveness um, on the original um, virus that we were talking about when we referred to COVID-19. However, we do know that with the Delta variant, having only one of two shots appears to be less effective, um, and the effectiveness has dropped down uh, to below half until you get that second, second um, shot. However, given all of that, we are still in a pretty good place in Vermont so that even if right now you've had one and you're waiting for your second, your protection level is very high again because of that herd immunity. While immunization is really important on an individual level, it's even more powerful on a community level. So one person being protected is important, but that 80% really does that broader umbrella of protection. And so, uh, so yes, uh, the, the two vaccinations are important, but for those who are on their way to getting the second, again, they're still fairly well protected. Um, and in Vermont, we have very little drop-off on second vaccinations. I don't have those percentages in front of me, but the vast majority of Vermonters who get their first, uh, where they get a two-dose vaccine, go on to get their second. Uh, we, have, uh, we have very few cancellations where people don't show up at all. If they do um, get one and then not the other, we do actually have a way of reaching out and sending reminders, and, and we find that most people then eventually get their second Tracy, following up on Johanna's question, one might have thought that the vaccination rate that was going to be used was the percentage of fully vaccinated people. And what I hear you saying is that people ha who have at least one uh, shot uh, for the Moderna uh, vaccine or the Pfizer vaccine uh, are considered to be pretty well protected and protected enough to have that used as a statistic. Is, is that pretty close to being accurate? Yeah, I would want to clarify that we absolutely uh, recommend full vaccination. I mean, that is the ultimate protection. That is the, the benefit and the maximum benefit that you can get from vaccination. But for the purposes of talking about how many people are vaccinated in Vermont, we did shift to talking about it as a first dose, in part because that became consistent across the country. A lot of states were talking that way, and a lot of states mm -hmm. were making decisions around travel and other things based on that number. 
But the biggest reason, honestly, that we were able to move to that was we were watching our case rate drop, drop, drop. And we saw our case rate dropping even as uh, we didn't necessarily have everyone fully vaccinated. But when their numbers would go up, even for that first vaccination, we continued to see a correlation of our case rates dropping. And so really, because we have so few cases in Vermont, uh, that's why we're comfortable now going with the, this description of um, saying that we have, you know, 81.3% uh, vaccination rate in Vermont, recognizing that not everyone is fully, but we have high confidence that they will be. And we have high confidence that this is the reason that our rates are so very low. We have the lowest rate in the country. Let's go back to our callers and talk to Terry, who's calling from Brandon. Hi, Terry. Welcome to the program. Booster shots. What do we know about booster shots at this point in time? Um, Are they going to be necessary? Uh, If so, when? I got the Pfizer-Moderna two-shot protocol. Would a booster involve the same one, or could I get a different vaccine uh, as a booster? And would it be a one-shot or a two-shot? So a bunch of questions about boosters. Thank you. Oh, those are great questions. A lot of people thinking about booster shots and and how long these original vaccine shots are going to stay effective and when might booster shots be necessary. Tracy, what do we know about booster shots? Well, we don't have a lot of answers on booster shots. We are hearing that booster shots would likely be at least a year out from your original vaccination. Um, So that's what we're hearing so far. We're also hearing that it would likely be a one-shot Um, And so those are probably two pieces of information we have. And then I would say the third piece of information is whenever it does become available, Vermont would, of course, follow whatever the regular CDC guidance is on that. And we would then scale up our workforce and our efforts to make sure those are available to Vermonters. But right now, we are hearing that it's likely that there will be a booster shot, um, possibly a year out, maybe more, uh, and, and not much more beyond that. Let's go back to our callers and talk to Beth, who is on the road. Beth, are you still with us? No, Beth was traveling around and giving us a call from her car, I believed. And hopefully Beth will be back with us in just a moment or two. Tracy, we've had some questions about employers requiring that their employees, when they do come back to work, uh, be fully vaccinated. Otherwise, there have to be some uh, some other uh, conditions met, uh, perhaps working remotely. Do you happen to know if the state of Vermont has made any decision about this concerning state employees coming back to work in the late summer and fall? We don't anticipate that we will have um, a requirement for people to be fully vaccinated to come back to work. And uh, is that something that everybody feels comfortable with? That's a great question. You know, we actually uh, just had our first staff meeting uh, for directors at the health department uh, yesterday or Monday, Monday morning. Uh, And it was really great to see everyone, but there were really varying levels of feelings in the room. Not so much discomfort because we're all in public health and we all have a high uh, confidence that we're all fully vaccinated. However, just just even being in a room unmasked together again was really different for folks. So I think, A, regardless of vaccination, there's going to be some real real discomfort for some people, questions, 
um, and feelings and concerns about just coming back into the workplace generally. But then, of course, there is that question, you know. We know that 81.3% of Vermonters are vaccinated, so probably when you look around, most people you're working with are vaccinated, but maybe not all. And we are getting questions from staff saying, how do we handle that, you know. And, and that is, that's a tough one, but the reality is, again, we, we encourage people to look at our case rates. That's really the best indicator of how we're doing. And that tells us that the vaccination, the community immunity that we have is working. And there may be some people that you're working with who aren't vaccinated. It might be that they chose not to, but it might be that they are immune compromised and can't or for some other reason. And so I think that's going to be up to workplaces to help staff determine what the best way forward is. But for the best of my knowledge in state government, we are encouraging people to vaccinate and we think a lot of people are. But ultimately, we will eventually be in a place where we accommodate folks and no, won't necessarily know their vaccination status. Let's go back to our callers and talk to Roosmere in Colchester. Hi, Roosmere. Welcome to the program. Hello. Can you hear me? We sure can. I'm here. Hello. Hello. What's your question? Hi. Question quick. Uh, thanks for taking my call. So my wife uh, received her first shot in April, as we all kind of started, and had a severe reaction. It was a Pfizer first shot and uh, had a five weeks of real problems, doctors, this, that, allergic reaction. She is allergic to penicillin as well. So nobody could really figure out 100% why, how, what. But uh, it's been recommended not to take second shot and then wait and see what, what we will find out. So what are we doing in this particular situation? Thanks for your question, Rushmir. Um, and I'm, I'm so sorry to hear that she had a reaction. I hope she's feeling better. Um, and, yeah, there are going to be a small number of cases where people do have reactions. And it sounds like you did the right thing. It sounds like you met with doctors and she got a recommendation not to get her second shot. And as you know, there are, there are a, a number of people for whom uh, a particular vaccination might not be the appropriate um, intervention because of a reaction. And so I think sitting, uh, sitting with this and, uh, and waiting for any other advice from a physician might be the right way to go. There might be another product or another vaccine out at some point that might make more sense. But if she got her first vaccine, um, she actually has a, a measure of protection from that, which is helpful. Uh, but again, this is really a good discussion between you and your doctor. And so I would continue to rely on your doctor for advice around this. Rusmir, thanks for your phone call. Let's talk to Mike. Mike is on the road somewhere. Hey, Mike, how are you? Mike, are you there? Well, we're going to try to get Mike. It seems like people on the road today are having a little trouble getting through, but we'll we'll see if we can get Mike back on. Mike, are you there by any chance? Well, we'll see if we can get Mike on. Uh, Tracy, I'm wondering, the Biden administration set a goal of having 70 percent of people over 18 at least partially vaccinated by the 4th of July, and it now appears they aren't going to make that goal. Uh, They now are hoping for 70 percent of the people over 27 will reach that uh, 70 percent threshold. Uh, Does that have any national implications? 
Well, I mean, every time we're not reaching one of these goals, the national implication is that we're not as protected as a nation, and particularly with variants like the Delta variant coming in, it places the country as a whole at greater risk. So I think those are the implications. Um, I'm not sure where the slowdown has come from. Uh, I don't want to blame Mississippi, but we could blame Mississippi. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, it's, I don't know if it's happening because we've got some states that are, that are really struggling. Um, I don't know if we've got uh, some vaccine distribution concerns. I am hearing that there are some people in other states who are still occasionally struggling to get an appointment, um, and I don't know where that's coming from. So uh, I think the national implication is that, you know, the longer it takes us to reach that, that healthy number of, of real community immunity, uh, the longer we're at risk. The CDC put out a report uh, concerning the vaccination rates based on age. Uh, this is at the same time that they indicated that the uh, Biden administration might not reach their goal. And they found that only 38 percent of Americans between the ages of 18 and 29 are vaccinated. That seems to be a tough age group. I know Vermont struggled with that age group for a while. What do you think the uh, the secret is in getting young folks to be vaccinated? The secret appears to be uh, really convenience, um, you know, not requiring to someone to make an appointment in advance and putting the vaccine in the in a place where it's part of someone's natural day, natural uh, travel flow. Those those are some of the factors. And then of course, just any kind of positive peer influence. So finding out that your friends are doing it, finding out that it's easy to do. Obviously, a one-shot, um, you know, more Johnson & Johnson, if that were available, um, could also help alleviate that. Going back for a second shot, you know, the idea of, of having to make a commitment for two different shots, uh, you know, may also decrease motivation. But, but I think our numbers will eventually climb there. I mean, certainly in Vermont, those numbers have climbed to some extent. Uh, but, yeah, this is a population that we're learning more and more about. It's less about um, uh, risks or concerns about health risks, and it appears to be more about making it uh, easy and convenient. And so uh, hopefully, uh, and I know talking to other states, they're working on those things as well. Tracy, we got this email from Robin who wanted to know if the Johnson & Johnson vaccine is as effective against the Delta variant as the Moderna and the Pfizer vaccines, do we have any information about that? We might. I don't at this time, so I will probably have to get back to you on that. I'm not sure what the effectiveness is of Johnson & Johnson is vis-a-vis the others. I know that overall the uh, the vaccines are effective, but possibly not as effective against this variant as, as against our original variant, as our original virus. Let's go back to the calls and talk to Laura, who's calling from Jericho. Hi, Laura. Welcome to the program. Hello. Hi. What's on your mind today? Hi. Yes. So I have small children who aren't eligible yet for having the vaccine. And, you know, they've been so diligent wearing their mask at school and they still wear their mask now. And I just wonder, you know, even though I'm vaccinated and can go out and be mask free, you know, what are the odds of um, me catching coronavirus and bringing it home to the children? And while I appreciate their risk factors aren't as high, there still are risk factors and unknowns. And so I'm just curious what that perspective is on trying to maintain you know, health and safety for the kids. Yeah, thanks, Laura. That's a great question. And again, um, I think, you know, you mentioned it, that 
while the risk is pretty low, uh, that's, that's something to really keep in mind. A, your risk is low because you're vaccinated. B, your risk is low because you're in Vermont and our case rate is incredibly low. Our case rate right now is one per 100,000 um, compared to a national rate that is triple that. Uh, so we have a very, very um, low case. So, for example, our seven-day case rate, less than one case per 100,000, actually, compared to a national average of about 3.5 per 100,000. And our positivity rate, the, this is positive among those who are tested, is 0.5%. Um, you know, I think we had eight cases yesterday. Um, we had three cases the other day. So even though your vaccination doesn't cover you 100%, although it covers you very high, even with that little bit of vulnerability, um, again, there are so few cases around you that the low case rate combined with your vaccination really provides great protection for you and therefore great protection for your kids when you're around them. But you're right that when your kids are in an indoor environment, particularly in a crowded indoor environment, not with their family, not with people that they know have been vaccinated, it makes sense for them to keep wearing masks. That's a recommendation. But outside, they can certainly be mask-free. Um, we see very little transmission outside at all. Um, so it's really more indoors when they're around folks that they don't know and it's a little more crowded. It would make sense for them to wear masks. Laura, thanks for your question. Uh, as we mentioned before, a lot of people thinking about how to protect children and whether or not to wear masks. Let's talk to Trish in Brattleboro. Hi, Trish. Welcome to the program. Hi there. I'm wondering if you have any information or advice for those who are fully vaccinated but have some type of compromised immune system. Uh, great question, Trish. Uh, you know, again, some of this will be your own comfort, but right now, if you're fully vaccinated, uh, we recommend take a mask with you. Of course, if you're in a healthcare environment or any environment where you think you might be around an unusual amount of people who might be ill, um, certainly, you know, use a mask in that environment, long-term care setting. Uh, but for the most part, you really don't need to wear a mask if you're fully vaccinated. You've got great protection. Um, but again, you know, speak with your doctor. You may have some unique circumstances, but for the most part, if you're fully vaccinated, you can go mask-free and just be aware, of course, you might need to be masked in a, in a few limited settings because of other regulations, like a healthcare setting, like public transport or uh, long-term care settings. Tracy, it sounds like uh, a lot of people might be following your advice of having a mask in your back pocket uh, because there may be circumstances, as you said, if you go somewhere and almost everybody has a mask on, you may feel more comfortable having a mask. If you go somewhere and very few people are wearing a mask, you might feel comfortable not wearing a mask. But maybe that's our reality for the next several weeks is have one available and sometimes you might want to use it. Absolutely. You know, um, I, I normally keep one in my car. So today, for example, um, I brought my, uh, my daughter to the pediatrician and, uh, you know, I, I didn't um, uh, bring one from home. I, I didn't put one in my purse, which I normally do. So I got to the pediatrician's office and I thought, oh, no, I forgot my mask and then realized, oh, I've got one permanently in my car. And so that's one way to think about it so that you don't have to remember every time. There might be days where you don't wear one at all or there might be days when you have to wear one a couple of times because there's an appointment or you're in a place and you look around and you think, ah, you know what, maybe I'll wear one. Maybe others will be a little more comfortable if I wear one today. So just having it in your car. It's really your call, except obviously in a healthcare 
healthcare environment, that's not your call. That's, <laughs> that's the doctor or the hospital's call, but it's mostly your call. So go ahead and bring one. And, uh, again, you know, the benefit to having being vaccinated is that, uh, you know, for the most part, you can live your life as you would. And, and having that mask off, I know that I am not crazy about wearing a mask. And so it feels great not to have to wear one. Um, and, and so that's a benefit, obviously, of being fully vaccinated, going out with friends, having a drink, um, you know, going to do sports together and just not thinking twice about it. It's, it's a wonderful benefit and it's quite a relief. It really is. I have to admit that I still, I mean, I enjoy not wearing a mask, being fully vaccinated, but I still have that feeling I'm forgetting something. You know, I'm getting in the car and it's like, you know, I don't have my keys or I don't have my wallet. Where's my mask? Uh, And maybe that's just going to be a matter of time to get used to that. We're going to see if we can get a quick call in from Mike on the road. We've got Mike back. Hey, Mike, welcome to the program. Hello. Sorry about that earlier. Uh, Thanks for the information on kids that can't get vaccinated. That was great. But my question is, as I do have a daughter that can't, my question is on the booster shots. And if there's ever going to be the capability to combine that maybe with the annual flu shots and uh, make it a two for one deal. Thanks. Yeah, that's a Great question. I'm glad we could get you back. You know, um, in public health, sometimes we really do try to make it more convenient for people. Um, we recognize that sometimes, you know, the more times you have to come back for any kind of health uh, care service, uh, sometimes uh, motivation goes down. Uh, so that, that is a possibility, you know. Um, maybe, maybe when you get your booster, maybe that will be at the same time that we will promote flu shots, for example. Again, we're not there yet. Um, we're still not, you know, really sure when the uh, vaccine for the younger kids is going to come out. We're hearing now it could be, you know, possibly December, January. So that fall date has been pushed out a little bit. So it's possible boosters would likely be after that. Um, but but uh, as boosters come out, you know, again, we'll be able to space those a lot longer because it would be a year after whenever you got your last vaccine. So it wouldn't necessarily be all in a rush in a six-week period. Um, and with that spacing out, we might be able to really promote flu shot at the same time. So that's a great idea. Thank you. And Tracy, is it likely that going forward this uh COVID virus is going to be with us for a while. It's not like six months from now it's going to be gone and we don't have to worry about it anymore. Is it pretty likely that this is something that we may be getting an annual COVID shot very much in the same way that we do get a flu shot, that that's going to be our reality for the next three to five years? You know, it may. The the reason we get booster shots for some illnesses is uh, because of the nature of the uh, pathogen. So in the case of flu virus, it mutates pretty quickly. And so the vaccine from last year simply won't work because the virus looks so different. Um, In the case of COVID, up until pretty recently, we weren't seeing rapid mutations. So we'll have to learn about this virus, see how quickly it changes and how much it changes. If if the change slows down, um, you know, then, then one vaccine could be great for a long time. If the change is pretty rapid, then we'll probably have to keep up with more frequent boosters. And so that's where we're just going to have to move along and learn as we go. Deputy Health Commissioner Tracy Dolan, many thanks for taking the time to be with us today. We really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Take care.